It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's week three for 2023 in our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and the stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, joined by Kevin McNamara, and just when you think you have things figured out, they change. Hey, same things for all the teams here, too. Xavier looked all the world like a juggernaut. And then DePaul stuns the Musketeers with their biggest league win in years. UConn rose all the way to number two in the national polls. The Huskies have now fallen on hard times, losing five of six. And a team preseason pick for ninth in the Big East by the coaches, no less, in Marquette, now finds themselves one half game out of the league lead as we hit the halfway point of the Big East schedule this weekend. It's mayhem, I tell you. Mayhem, Kevin. John, just let's get this clear. You and I did not do the preseason poll, okay? (laughs) That's right. The coaches are to blame. It's the coaches. I've been saying for years the coaches should take their name off that poll because it, it is absolutely impossible. And sure enough, it's taken a few weeks. Things are impossible, and it is mayhem. All right, well, DePaul's win over eighth-ranked Xavier Wednesday night snapped an 11-game Musketeers win streak. Wins like that one? Well, exactly why Tony Stubblefield, as we spoke to him a week ago, moved to Chicago to lead the Blue Demons program a couple of years ago after all of the years he spent as an assistant coach. Marquette's renaissance is being led by a coach who's back doing what he did best years ago at Virginia Commonwealth, getting after teams defensively and creating havoc and oh yeah let's not forget surging st john's and suddenly red hot seton hall with both teams playing their way back into the spotlight as a reflection of their own coaches well tenacity this latest spate of surprises potentially sets up the second half of conference play kev as a real wow don't you think yeah i mean john i think around the country people looked at the non-conference season they looked at the first few weeks of the conference season and, and then they sort they said five teams in the biggies this is a five-team league that, that is definitely not true uh, seton hall had enough success in the non-conference that we knew that they would be okay uh, depaul i'm so happy for for coach stubblefield he was on our show last week and he said after that win over xavier you need to expect this this is why i came here nights like this is why he's in chicago so uh, great for the blue demons and st john's st john's is going to be a problem and what about villanova yeah. You can't count out Villanova as well. So this league is much deeper than five teams. All right, let's play it forward. Revisiting the highlights in this week's Big East headlines. It was a wild Wednesday night in league play this week, starting with the news that UConn head coach Dan Hurley and assistant Kamana Young tested positive for COVID, and therefore they were unavailable to coach the Huskies against Seton Hall. UConn led the game by as much as 17 in the first half, but the Pirates rallied for a 67-66 win. It's Seton Hall's biggest comeback in the game since 2006. Did we mention DePaul? The Blue Demons led most of the way against 8th-ranked Xavier at Wintrust Arena. Got 22 points from Umoja Gibson and held on to knock off the Musketeers. Their first win over a top-10 team in three years right to the day. Marquette reinforced its status as a Big East contender with a hard-fought win over Providence in Milwaukee. St. John's, Creighton, and Villanova also came up with big wins in the past week to put themselves all in a position for a mid-to-late-season run right to the top. As of midweek, 
Five Big East teams were ranked in the top 38 of the net, nine in the top 100. In the Ken Palm metric, nine in the top 93, five in the top 32, and then four reached the top 20. Four Big East teams remain in the top 25 AP and USA Today coaches rankings this week with Xavier, UConn, Marquette, and Providence in the polls, Creighton again receiving votes. So, Kevin, what should we make of this sudden swing in momentum from all of these teams that weren't ensconced at the top of the standings at the beginning here? Well, two things, John. And number one, winning on the road is really difficult in, in, in college basketball in general for years and years and certainly in the Big East this year. Right now, only Xavier and Providence have winning records on the road. So you want to go out on the road, you have to play very well in order to come home with a win. Number two, you know, could this damage some teams' NCAA hopes? Uh, sure. It, it certainly could damage their seedings a little bit. You know, if, if we had, you know, Xavier, for example, you know, with 15, 16 Big East wins, well, right. maybe not. And forget about the, the quote, bubble teams. Now, it also opens the door for maybe a Seton Hall, uh, maybe a St. John's or Villanova to get back in that NCAA mix if they're going to play this well the rest of the way. All right. Going to add to the fun for sure. Thank you to our Westwood One affiliate station for being with us this season. Thanks for catching us on Sirius XM, if that's where you're listening. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, give us a review if you can. Thank you. For more on the podcast, you can always visit our website, www.twitme.buzzsprout.com. And you can always listen to the show online at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode three this week, we will find out what it's like to step into the shoes of a Hall of Famer and to take over a program that has certainly showed off some blue blood lineage of the past few years. Villanova's change on the main line, however, may not be as challenging as you might think. Head coach Kyle Neptune joins us. We'll get a national perspective from Fox Sports announcer Jason Benetti, who has seen his share of surprises already. We'll also share his thoughts on the present status. And if you're looking for a lead candidate in the most improved department, you might need to stop at St. John's, where big man Joel Soriano shares his secrets to success next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Soriano in the middle. Shoots over Sonoma and scores. Big time move. Soriano knew he, he could get to his left shoulder. That's his favorite angle to shoot the ball. He goes right over the top of Sonogo for another jump hook. 24 to play in the game. Here is Corbello on the drive. Looking left. Bounce pass to Soriano. Two-hand jam. Joe L. Soriano. That caps the game. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. It seems like there might be a bit of a renaissance among big men in the Big East this season. Nowhere is that more evident than in Queens, New York, on the St. John's campus. 6'11", senior Joel Soriano leads the nation in double-double efforts in scoring and rebounding, with 16 of those thus far on the season. This week, he was named as the Naismith National Player of the Week for averaging 19.5 points, 11.5 rebounds, and shooting, oh, 74% from the floor and two wins over Butler and UConn. That is some week. And Soriano joins us this week in the Big East. Joel, you were a good player last year for the Red Storm. Six and a half points, five and a half rebounds per game. But really, what's the biggest reason in your mind for ramping up your numbers? Uh, really just the work I put in the offseason. Um, uh, as as you may know, I, I sat down with Coach, uh, watched a lot of film, watched a lot of the stuff that I need to work on. 
uh, to be the player that I need to be for this team. And really just sat down, looked at my negatives, and I just got in the gym with my coaching staff, uh, got in the gym, uh, got in the weight room, and really just try to stay consistent, man. I'm, this is a, a big thing about basketball, just being consistent with your, with your play, your effort. So I'm just trying to be consistent every game. Your um, um, ability uh, to shoot the jump hook, uh, certainly I think it's a big weapon for you. But I think the one thing that I'm constantly amazed at when I watch you play is your fluidity. You're very smooth. That takes a lot of work in the gym. Why don't you tell us kind of what your routine was like in order to be able to develop that kind of fluidity because it's really hard to defend. Usually over the summer we would have teamwork that's around like 12, but in the morning uh, around like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. we'll have weights. Then after weights, I usually get to work on it with one of my assistant coaches for about 45 minutes to an hour. Then after that, go to team practice. And after that, just shoot shoot some jump shots after after uh, the team workouts. So really about like three workouts a day. Well, congratulations on the National Player of the Week Award. We don't get that every week on our show. So congrats there, Joel. And, and I'm also I, I also think after watching you for two years, you're rebounding harder. You know, that's not necessarily more you know, work in the gym, it's probably as much in the weight room and, and maybe more of a mentality than anything else. Could that be true? Yeah, that definitely. Rebound, rebound is, is, a, is a mentality. It's definitely a mental and physical uh, aspect. Uh, but rebound, I feel like you just want to impose your will. I feel like grabbing rebounds is like uh, aggressive you are on the court and um, how dominant you want to be in a pay, um, especially uh, offensive rebounds and defensive. Defensive, they close out possessions. And I feel like... Uh, Last year, I wasn't doing that as much, so I just wanted to up, up that aspect of my game and, and bring a more stronger presence to our team. What have you noticed, Joel, from the opposition, the other team's bigs, You know, whether it's a true center or it's a forward that's coming over or maybe you get doubled in the post on occasion, but what have you noticed from other guys that they're doing differently against you and trying to guard you and defend you? Really, I feel like the teams are trying to become more physical. I, mean, I think the scouting report is uh, – just probably getting getting a little bit more into my space, my area. As much, I mean, I, as last year, I would I feel like I could see the floor a little bit more easier. Now I feel like when I'm posting up, I usually have a, a guy next to me, not next to me, but around the vicinity, helping or, or trying to drag a little bit. Either that or just really have a, there's another defender around me. So I usually try to set screens as much, or if I catch it on the block face up, so I can see it around, around the area, around the floor. But really, just I just see a lot of other guys. I see the, the floor strength when I catch the ball. That's about it, though. Joel, I'd say the one game that jumped out at me, maybe pre-Big East season, I was like, oh, okay, th- this is for real. He's he's going to be one of the Big East best big guys. Was when you went down, uh, when you guys played Florida State. And, you know, you had like 23 points. Uh, you get to the foul line, I believe, 13 or 14 times. Of course, a double-double like almost every game. Uh, how do you think your season has progressed from maybe the start all the way through to to today, I think it's been I think it's been good so far. I wouldn't say it was great because uh, we haven't won the amount of games that I, I perhaps wish that we have, but um, it's still a work in progress. Uh, our team is working. I feel like we're starting to step into who we are. And like I said, it's a, it's a long season, man. It's, it's we have about like 13, 13 games left before we head into the Big East tournament. So uh, we just I'm just trying to take a game at a time and trying to continue to be consistent. So. 
pretty good attitude, I think, for everybody to take. Joel Soriano, St. John Center, joining us here this week in the Big East. How do you feel this team is progressing? Because I know you got off to a great start in the non-conference portion of your schedule. Then you guys staggered a little bit to start the Big East before things have started kind of smoothing out a little bit. What's been the secret to kind of turning things around? Uh, really just our defense. I feel like when we got into Big East play uh, after the uh, the DePaul game, our defense wasn't up to par. I mean, I feel like we were scoring the ball at a good rate. I feel like, but it's just really been our defense. We really just had to be more connected and be more in tune. Um, and I feel like we have been doing that since the picking up in the Providence game, even though that was a loss. I feel like we took a step in the right direction. And we kept building off it um, from Butler and from UConn. Um, Coach has a big emphasis on defense. If we want to be a, a, a good team leading into March, we have to play defense. We have to be connected. We have to be uh, unified. So I feel like that's, that's really what the biggest thing has Joel, there's always, you know, one or two big wins that can turn a season uh, at UConn with that 85-74, very convincing win uh, at UConn. Uh, what do you think you guys take out of that? And then uh, I can only imagine the uh, celebration in the locker room. UConn's a very well-coached team. It's a, a very, one of the best teams in the country. I feel like we just take, we, we just, we, we could see what we, we could do when we're unified and we're connected, what type of team we could be. Believe it or not, I mean, we, the locker room was excited, but we just, we, we, we knew that it was just one game. We have to go on to another one. And we, uh, we see UConn again. So we definitely want to – we just try to stay focused, man, stay the, stay the course, stay connected, and trying to keep stacking these wins. You know, every once in a while, we, we like to ask uh, players uh, about their, their favorite teammates and such. And I, I have a feeling that your favorite teammate would be anybody that would get you the ball in the post, correct? <laughs> right. <laughs> I love all my teammates, man. I love all of them. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, lucky, I'm lucky enough to have two point guards on my team, so – they, they both gave me the ball tremendously. So it's an honor to have them both on my team. Let's take it uh, a little bit further then. So who surprised you from among your teammates with their play that helps to make not only you better, but your team better? Uh, I think it's really our two, our, our sophomore and our freshman duo. I think it's Rafael Penzone and uh, AJ Store. Delano Wiss was really like our glue guy, man. He, mm-hmm. he brings us so, he brings us so much. Like Even the stuff that's not even on the stat sheet, he brings to his team, and it's tremendous. But uh, none of you guys really have opened my eyes a lot because, I, I mean, I've, I've been on them since the summer. I just know, like, I've seen the potential of what, what, what they could bring and what, what we need on this team. And they've just been, these past three games, they've just been showing um, what they could bring to the table. And it, it's been amazing for us. It's been great to watch. And yeah, that speaks to the depth, <clears throat> the depth on that team, John. He didn't mention, you know, guys like Posh and David Jones. But uh, as Joel, I'm sure, can attest, it, it, it's the depth uh, at every position uh, that, that's going to push you over the top in these close, always close Big East games. Mm-hmm. For sure. Our team, uh, our team is, I feel like we're very deep. One, one through the 13 that we have playing on the floor, I feel like we, we – I feel like the, our bench is really uh, guys that could start. Just a difference that when we have Cabello and David coming off the bench, that one-two punch, especially when Posh is in the game. I mean, Posh game speaks for itself, how hard he goes. Um, I feel like everybody on the team, man, contribu- contributes in such a great way. Even if they play two minutes, two minutes to 30 minutes or 40 minutes, they just everybody contributes in, in the game. That's St. John's senior big, Joel Soriano, who is proving to be a formidable force in the middle for the Johnnies and a headache for everyone else in the league this season. Who's hot? We've got the Big East Player of the Week, the members of this week's honor roll, and another blast from the past, all next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? Who's hot? The problem is you can't foul this man because he's almost a 90% foul shooter. And this is where Xavier cuts you up with the execution and the poise. Boom. Nails a three. What a performance! 
Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook, Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week is a name that should be familiar to most college basketball fans by now, only because it's kind of unusual. Sule Boom, graduate student guard, Xavier University. Man, he has been such a force, Kevin. 80-76 to win over Marquette this past week. He scored nine of Xavier's final 12 points in that game. Such an impact that Boom has had for the Musketeers. One of the best uh, transfers in the country, for sure. The Big East is filled with a lot of very, very good ones. Sule Boom, he was the missing piece. You know, uh, Paul Scruggs had a very good career at Xavier, won a lot of games for the Musketeers. And yet, Boom, I I think, is a better fit. He's more of a pure point guard. He checks an awful lot of boxes for Sean Miller's team. And how important is he, John? Well, he, he struggled in their loss to DePaul. I believe he was one of 12 from the field, clearly, Xavier needs Sule Boom to play better than that in order to beat anybody. He still leads the Big East in scoring overall 17.6 points per game. Freshman of the week this week, A.J. Storr, St. John's, part of the reason that the Red Storm are getting a little bit of a resurgence right now. 13 points per game in a 2-0 and week for the Johnnies last week and shot 56% from the three. So here's a guy that can come in and take some of the pressure off of the scoring burden by that backcourt. Hey, uh, we just had Joel Soriano on the show. He he knows. He credited his team's bench with this perk up in the Red Storm's play of note, and certainly A.J. Storr is one of the key focuses. How about the Big East honor roll? Guys that we know and we have already seen, Baylor Shireman of Creighton, 22 points, 5.5 boards, 4 assists per game last week. Seamus Lukosius from Butler. Tyler Kolek, Marquette, 15.5 points, 7.5 rebounds in a 1-1 one one week. Lukosius and Kolek, two huge keys to both of their team's success overall. Yeah, I want to give a little shout-out to Lukosius. Uh, Butler has struggled here out of the gate. I I think they have decent talent and and will settle in a little bit. Lukosius has been very consistent, clearly their best player uh, thus far through early in the season. And Tyler Kolek, I I don't think people in the Big East are sleeping on Tyler Kolek. We know how good he is. We've seen him play the last two years in a row. I think nationally people are waking up to how good Tyler can be and how important he is in sparking oh, one of the best offenses in the country in Marquette, as certainly he showed against Providence the other night with n- another really big night, 19 points, six assists, and eight rebounds. All right. In fact, Tyler Kolick's one of three guys on Big East teams that I think could be cur- termed most valuable to his team. You got Kolick. I think you got Soriano at St. John's. I think you got Bryce Hopkins, uh, certainly at Providence. And let's also throw in Ryan Kalkbrenner at Creighton. Without Kalkbrenner, Creighton's a different team, don't you think? A different team, especially defensively. We know how talented they are offensively, how much balance they have. Uh, with their scoring options, but uh, what Kalkbrunner does around the rim separates Creighton for sure. Also in that honor roll, we mentioned Joel Soriano of St. John's, 19.5 points and 11.5 rebounds, and Alamir Dawes from Seton Hall, 19.5 points per game in two games, and Dawes is the guy that really, I think, Pirates fans have been waiting to wake up a little bit on offense, isn't he? Yeah, and another you know talented transfer when he's making shots, you know, Seton Hall, I, I, the key to their team is their defensive intensity. That's what Shaheen Holloway brought over from St. Peter's. That's what keeps them in the games. If they can get any offense, a few guys to make some shots, and I think Alamir Dawes is at the top of that list. 
Let's also mention the USBWA, the United States Basketball Writers Association, Oscar Robertson Trophy midseason watch list that came out this week. This is for the National Player of the Year. It's voted on by members of the U.S. Basketball Writers Association, of which you and I are both members. Five Big East players on the midseason watch list, Sule Boom, Adama Sanogo, UConn, Bryce Hopkins, Providence, Joel Soriano, St. John's, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Creighton. I think we've known these names already for a while. Well, we certainly know their names. And there's a few others who I would think strongly could be certainly in the top 50 players in the country. Uh, I think Shireman from Creighton probably deserves a long look there. And, and Tyler Kolek. How about that, John? Uh, the number one potential number one team in this league, Marquette, does not have a top 50 player. I, I think Shaka Smart might disagree with that a little bit. Revisiting great moments in the Big East past, our blast from the past. This week, we're going to turn the clock back 29 years. January 25th, 1994. He was a beast on the backboards, and his motor was always running. Michael, Michael Motorcycle. Michael Smith had a big day against Syracuse. Shepard, in and out. There's Smith again, putting the body on Marshall to get that rebound. To Crozier, that's just inside of the three. That's a two. Smith gives it up. Phelps. And one. Three pointer, no good. But Smith, he can rebound. Smith finished his game with Syracuse pulling down a Biggie single game record 26 rebounds. Overall, Smith set the Big East record for career rebounding average. At 11.67 rebounds per game in his three seasons at Providence, he led the team in rebounding each of his years, and he was named the Big East Tournament Most Outstanding Player in 1994, taking home the Dave Gavitt Trophy. I know you remember Michael Michael Motorcycle really well, Kev. Certainly do. Uh, sat courtside for most of Michael's games as a friar, and I remember that night specifically, you know, going against a really good Syracuse team and uh, it was a deadline game, so it was, I believe, a Saturday night game. And you're like, okay, uh, you, know, you fill in 18 rebounds, and then you update 21 rebounds, <laughs> uh, 24 rebounds, 26 rebounds. Uh, good luck to anyone in the history of the Big East going forward to top 26 rebounds. Just uh, a great memory, and what a rebounder he was. He also went on to have a pretty good career in the NBA, mostly with the Sacramento Kings. Rebounding among the bigs this season in the Big East is also pretty impressive. Guys like Soriano, Shireman we've talked about, Sonogo, Jack Nungy, and Zach Fremantle at Xavier, plus a couple of Friars in Bryce Hopkins and Ed Croswell at the top of the league numbers. Eric Dixon is doing the same for Villanova. And the Wildcats have a different captain steering that ship this season. First-year head coach Kyle Neptune joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Points in this game for Georgetown. You don't need Here's to go. Austin. It's Slater. It's Whitmore. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Ever tried replacing a legend? The thing about Kyle Neptune replacing Hall of Famer Jay Wright at Villanova, he already knew who he was replacing because he was a big part of Wright's Hall of Fame career. As an assistant under Wright, Neptune was a part of 233 wins, seven Big East titles, four tournament titles, and a couple of natties. He then spent a season at Fordham before returning to the main line, now in his first year leading the Wildcat program. And Coach Neptune joins us this week in the Big East. Kyle, what's the toughest part? you've experienced thus far in trying to take over for a Hall of Famer? First of all, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. 
Um, I'll, I'll say that every season has a unique challenge. Um, and, you know, for this year, we got a, a team with a, a lot of new guys, not a lot of new faces. Um, and, you know, we're, we're trying to gel and, you know, we're trying to get our, our young guys some experience um, and, you know, trying to push them to be, be the best team they can be by the end of the year. Uh, John, for, for our, you know, listeners who know Kyle's name but don't know his background, you gave it a little bit there. I mean, he, he was a, a top assistant on a and saw an awful lot of wins right. at Villanova. Kyle, what can you tell us and tell the fans about your background, uh, maybe from your days at Lehigh to instantly going? I, I believe that was your first collegiate job was was at Villanova as a as a video guy. I, maybe maybe fill some people in on your background. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, ended up going to Lehigh University, played four years there. Um, dabbled uh, overseas for a year, trying to <laughs> try, try to continue my uh, playing career. And then um, soon, soon after that, I got an uh, opportunity to be a, the video coordinator at Villanova. Um, and I, I took that, was there for two years, um, ended up bouncing around a little bit after that at Niagara and Hofstra over the next three. And then I was back with Coach Wright at Villanova until I got the head coaching job at Fordham last year. And um, and grabbed a few players uh, along the way. Uh, the, the type of talent that came through while you were here from, from Ryan Arch to Mikel Bridges to Jalen Brunson. Um, maybe maybe that taught you more about what it takes to win in the Big East and around the country than anything else. Yeah, yeah, we were. I was fortunate to be around with a, with a lot of really good players. Even more importantly, really good kids, man. They're really good guys coming in here. Um, yeah, they're so they're so high yielding people. Um, you know, you know, we're, we're us as coaches. You know, I guess our job is to mentor them um, and push them to be the best that they can be. Um, but, you know, in reality, you know, we, we again, we were lucky enough to be around really good guys. And, you know, in the end, I have to be honest, you know, you end up learning uh, as much from them as, you know, as hopefully you have an impact on uh, on them as well. So, um, again, very fortunate. Kyle Neptune with us here this week in the Big East. So, Coach, I guess the, the, the question that I have, at least right off the bat here, is um, when you consider – the injuries, uh, the illnesses, the things that have kept your team from being where you'd really like it to be, where you wanted to be operating at an optimal level. Um, uh, what have your expectations changed? I mean, I'm you know, coaches kind of have to adapt to what they feel like is realistic and what they feel like is accomplishable over the course of the season. How have your expectations changed? Do you still expect, you know, um, the the Villanova way, so to speak, to come through in the end? And how competitive is your team going to be before this year is over? Well, I mean that that's the goal. Our goal is to be the best team we can be by the end of the year. And yeah, you know, listen, every we said in the beginning, every year is different. Even if you bring back the exact same team, man for man, um, from a previous season, those guys have grown. Their expectations have changed. Um, their goals have changed. Right. So um, with a with a newer team, with a lot of uh, guys who haven't had experience at this, uh, a lot of experience at this level, um, regardless of injuries etc we we knew this was going to be a, a challenge now obviously you know you go through injuries uh it, it kind of is what it is you know this is a contact sport you know part of it is injuries uh that's why you have a you, you don't play with five guys uh, throughout 
out the season because you know that, that there's a chance uh, the guys will not be able to be out there. So uh, we can't even really think about that stuff. It doesn't even no good to say to, to, to go through all the what ifs and play that game. Uh, we got to play with the guys that are available to play for us. Obviously, we miss we miss the guys that haven't been able to play, but uh, we've got to go with the guys that are that are out here. And you know, I, even with all those things, uh, we've we've been and for the most part in every game. Um, you know, I, I would say with the last two to four minutes, it seems like every game is a one or two possession game. Um, and you know, we we've gotten some of those, we've gotten it done some of those games, and, and some of them. Um, we weren't as fortunate, but uh, again, the goal is by the end of the season to have this team playing its best. Kyle, I would assume that you were cursing your your former boss, uh, the Hall of Famer, Coach Wright, uh, out of the shoot. He did not leave you a, a pleasant schedule. Uh, <laughs> right away, you go, to, <laughs> you get Big Five right away. You go to Michigan State. You go out to Portland for the Phil Knight Classic, and, and you do it without Justin Moore. So uh, thanks, uh, Jay. That's number one. Uh, oh my two, God, he's still my guy. I know. I, we all love him, but uh, he, didn't him, do, but... he didn't do you any favors there. <laughs> right. Um, I, can you bring us up to date on Justin Moore? Uh, obviously, to start this season was not going to be uh, possible with the severe injury he had last year in the tournament. Uh, can you bring us up to date on his status? Because I think we all know, if healthy, he's one of the best players in the country. Uh, I'm, I'm watching college basketball. I really feel like he's the best player when it comes down to uh, his physicality defensively and what he brings on that end. Like a lot of people, I, I don't know how many, much credit he got last year for every single game guarding the team's best player. And then also bringing it offensively and being the weapon he was as well. And it's so impressive to have a, a, a guy who's, you know, the uh, I guess the modern age calls it a two-way player. Um, you know, he, he's, I don't know if there, I, I really don't know if there's anyone better than him um, in, in that regard who, who's that valuable on both sides of the floor. Um, but, you know, without him this year, I mean, it, for his injury, it, it's such a catastrophic injury. I mean, I don't know if there's a worse injury you can have uh, in basketball. Um, he's such a young guy. It's got to be handled with a lot of care. You know, you're basically not walking for the first couple of months. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you have to relearn to walk, relearn to run. Uh, and then your timing of playing. Um, and then, you know, I'm sorry, you're, you're just starting to shoot the ball again on, on both feet and having your balance, um, being able to move laterally. Um, and then all the way up to you start playing. And then it's like, all right, do I do I still have it? That mental uh, battle that you have to have with yourself and so on and so forth. So th there's a lot that goes into that injury. Um, you know, and, and for him, uh, we, we, we've taken a stance as a program you know, in, in talking with him and his family and the doctors that uh, it's, it's, it's really a personal decision for him. And he's got his career uh, to, to think about. And I know he wants to be um, as close to 100 percent as possible before he comes back. So, sure, um, sure. you know, it's 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 a tough decision for him. Um, and we're just trying to support him uh, along the way. And I, obviously, we, we would love him back, uh, but but we we support him in, in all his decisions. Well, let's jump over, Kyle, then to you know, the guys that are, are playing for you thus far. And I think most everyone is really, really pleased when they see a guy like Cam Whitmore begin to come into his own. What does Cam Whitmore, as a freshman, do so well for you and, and his abilities that you know really sort of can, can transcend what I would call a normal freshman in college. It seems like he's got that maturity level beyond his years. Like I go back to his first couple of games. Um, he literally legitimately practiced three or four times. Um, and that's pretty much for the year. 
I mean, he didn't he didn't get to practice much at all uh, because of his injury. Um, so he, he's coming in, and you think about it, a freshman. So he has a lot of inexperience, has never played at this level. Um, uh, so it, it, that means you, you missed a lot of development and things, just normal processes that we would have went through to kind of get him up to speed to play at this level. Uh, and then just any human being, we mentioned Justin Moore being out, uh, any human being who's been out, it's tough. Like just get coming back, like the confidence level, the mental aspect, um, you know, uh, getting adjusted again to the speed. And, he, and again, he's a freshman, all, all those things. Uh, I, I'm so impressed with where he's, uh, the, his start and, and how he's been able to handle all that stuff. And, um, you know, and still, I think that his best basketball is definitely coming. Like he's, he's, he's only going to get better and better and better. He's been so valuable for us already. Um, so he, he's, um, like you said, a really mature kid, uh, very competitive, um, and he's only going to get better. Coach, last one for me. Uh, you, you may not have Justin, and you have you know some really talented freshmen, but but to be able to go out to practice every day and see someone like Caleb Daniels, someone like Eric Dixon, uh, Slater, and and Chris uh, Archidiakono, especially maybe speak to Caleb. Uh, checks so many boxes. He, he his leadership, his maturity. Uh, kind of pops out of the television when I watch you play. Yeah, I mean, those guys have had uh, a, a lot of unique experiences here at Villanova. Um, and I think that, you know, their leadership at this point um, is kind of a reflection of that. Um, you know, and, and this is their team now, uh, you know, with, with Caleb, and especially Caleb, um, Eric, and, and Brandon Slater. Those those guys are all pretty much, you know, key guys on the Final Four team. Um, and, you know, they have that, that experience together. And they, they've all also kind of learned and developed along the way here in Villanova and kind of been through every stage. Uh, you know, those guys all started as kind of, you know, not playing as much as, as younger guys and then all kind of uh, developed into being key pieces last year. Now they're, they're all in leadership and go-to guy roles. Um, and it, it's it, for, for our young team, you know, they, they've been vital um, to getting those other guys up to speed. Villanova head coach Kyle Neptune, just the sixth head coach in the Mainline campus since 1936, following in the footsteps of Jay Wright, Steve Lapis, Roly Massimino, Jack Kraft, and uh, 400-game winner Alexander Severance along the way. Bet you might not have known that one. The national perspective always has a keen eye focusing on the league's top teams. But what about a player or two or maybe a breakout team ready to make a move? Fox Sports' Jason Benetti has had his look around the league, and he joins us to talk about it next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. The national perspective. Seton Hall has never led. Oh, to Kenny! Oh, to Kenny! It's off. There's Lafano, counted, Nadefo. Hello, how do you do? Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. Xavier is setting an early pace at the top. Providence and Marquette are clearly challengers, early challengers. UConn, a preseason favorite, Creighton, have had surprising moments both up and down thus far. Who knows how this might all play out before we're done. Fox Sports play-by-play announcer Jason Benetti has already seen his fair share of the play thus far. He joins us this week in the Big East. Hey, Jason, who's who's at or near the top right now that's been a bit of a, a, re- a revelation to you perhaps thus far this season? You know, I, it's an interesting top of the Big East because right now UConn has fallen to, as we sit here and talk, but the middle of the pack. 
for me, Xavier still being undefeated is the best team. And I, you know, you look at the way Xavier does it every week, every couple of games, it's somebody new. I mean, Sule Boom has closed out games very well from the free throw line. And then you get, uh, you know, Jack Nungy with a breakout game. And Sean Miller, I think, has done a, an awesome job with that team. I know you watch Providence, both of you watch Providence a lot, uh, but Marquette, I mean, Bill Raftery and I had the Marquette game against Baylor, and there was one of two options after that game. Number one, that was a mirage, and Marquette <laughs> would never play that well again. But number two, that Shaka Smart really has a team that is playing very together, and they are. Osoe Godaro is a really difficult person to deal with. But the thing that I love about Marquette is they're playing with more vigor defensively than I remember the Shaka Smart teams playing with in Texas. But they look more like VCU Shaka than Texas Shaka. And so they scare me as well. Jason, you've done an awful lot of college basketball, but this is your first kind of intensive season with the Big East. Uh, you know, you, you grew up in the East. Uh, you went to Syracuse. Uh, have a feel for the Big East. Uh, can you just maybe speak of your excitement about, you know, getting back to and doing some games and, and seeing Villanova and seeing Georgetown, seeing Providence, those old old school Big East teams. The first ever Big East road game I went to as a student was the year Syracuse won the national championship <laughs> and they played at Rutgers and they lost at Rutgers. Jerome Coleman <laughs> had a massive game and Ricky Shields was really good too. And I had never, I'd never been to New Jersey. Uh, I grew up in Chicago. I never ended, you know, like some people are like, oh, I went to Barbados for the first time as a sophomore in college. I went to New Jersey for the first time as a sophomore in college. But we went to the Greek trucks and like I had this awesome experience and that trapezoid was nuts and all that goes along with it. But then, you know, as I grew at Syracuse, like really getting to do games in the Carrier Dome and getting to know the Syracuse-Georgetown rivalry. You know, I'm 39, but I get really nostalgic talking about the Big East and getting to be a part of the Big East. And and so it's this melding of teams that I've followed for a long time. And running into John Paquette uh, every once in a while is really cool for me because, like, he was giving me credentials when I was a student to go to the Garden. So I, I have this deep love for the league. And it's really fun for me to see the new version of it while also getting to, you know, go back to places where I was a really bad young announcer and I was like figuring out how to call games. No, you were, you were definitely not a bad announcer at that time. I think that's about the time we met when you were at Syracuse. (laughs) John, you, I, I remember I interviewed you for a feature at SU, like we used to do all these features, like yep. like anybody yeah. would do like 15 minute radio features, yep. right? Commercially. And you were always so generous with your time. I, I will always appreciate the heck out of that because you didn't have to do that. You didn't. Uh, well, listen, maybe I knew a star was born. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we're happy to have you back, Jason. That's definitely, for sure. Definitely. Absolutely. Most definitely. All right, Jason. So you've had a little taste of the Big East now. You obviously do a lot of other games for Fox. You've seen some Big Ten teams as well. You've seen some teams around the country. Where does the hierarchy of the Big East fit in? Yeah, I just saw Tennessee play Kentucky, actually, for Westwood One uh, on Saturday. 
So I've seen Tennessee a couple times, and I think they're really, really good. The way they play defense is terrifying, and Houston is the same way. Mm-hmm. But when you see the top couple teams in the country, even Purdue is really efficient offensively, but their defense is so much better. I do think in a season when most of the top teams are actually, not the most maybe, but uh, a balance of the teams at the top of NCAA basketball are defensive-minded or close to it, with the exception being somebody like Alabama or whatever it might be. I think we could have a very interesting NCAA tournament with a lot of close ball games. But the thing about the Big East that intrigues me is, and I, I, I wonder if you guys feel the same way, you have UConn and Creighton trying to feel their way through the middle of the league or the middle top of the league. And those are two teams with abundant talent. I mean, Creighton was surgical in its execution at Xavier and just lost by three because Xavier was a little better. So I think the thing about the Big East that makes me excited for its fortunes in March is that some of the best teams skill-wise aren't playing their best basketball right now. And I think that will serve the league well. I think Xavier and Providence and Marquette, like you want capital T tough teams I think those are really tough teams and resilient teams. And, I, you know, we don't have empirical evidence of what really works in the NCAA tournament, but I think tough is a part of it. No, I, I'm with you, Jason. Not only that toughness, but also offensively, as we're speaking, in Ken Palm, Marquette is third in adjusted offense. Xavier is fifth. Uh, Connecticut is 14th. That group of teams right there offensively, they're all really elite offensive teams. Xavier, for me, is a very interesting team to distill and prep for because they have been an exceptional three-point shooting team, but they don't shoot abundant three-point field goals. They just don't get a high percentage of their points from three. I'm very interested to see, as teams play them a second time, as somebody preps for them in the NCAA tournament, what their shot profile morphs into, because right now it feels like they're in a real good pocket for what their points uh, break down into. Thanks, Jason. Fox Sports play-by-player Jason Benetti, who also calls college football for the network and agonizes with his Chicago White Sox through the summer months. Who's got next? What are the big games coming up on the schedule? We will fill you in on that next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Shireman, though, offensive board. Give it back to Trey. Shoot that three again. Let's go. 32 for Trey Alexander. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. Who's got next? Let's start with Saturday. DePaul gets to challenge to see if they can make it two big ones in a row. They go to Providence. Marquette goes on the road to play suddenly resurgent Seton Hall. I think I'm kind of looking forward to that one, Kevin. Yeah, difficult game for anybody who plays Seton Hall in New Jersey. Marquette's won six of seven, beating an awful lot of good teams, coming off that home win over Providence, see if they can get a all-important road victory. Sunday, there's a game. Butler goes out on the road, and they'll take on UConn. And I don't know about you, but UConn's really struggling. They might really need this one Sunday. Oh, they definitely need some positivity. Uh, First of all, they need Dan Hurley back. Hopefully, he's feeling fine and will be ready to go for Sunday. But, you know, to lose a, a big lead like UConn did, that can cause some, you know, mental damage, some some mental fatigue, certainly a home win, get back in front of the 
friendly folks in Hartford and get a victory is the only way to cure that. Tuesday game, we'll have DePaul playing at Georgetown. And then Wednesday, pretty good triple header. Xavier at UConn, Butler at Providence, St. John's will go on the road to play at Creighton. Hey, uh, John, I wanted to hit on that DePaul-Georgetown game. We, we know sure. DePaul is playing better. They're, they're certainly dangerous. Georgetown's getting better, too. I, I, I've watched Georgetown pretty closely a couple times. They were very close to winning at Villanova on Martin Luther King Day. They're going to snap their streak, okay? I, I, I can guarantee that. Right. And, you know, who knows when it's going to happen, but it will happen. And then on Wednesday... Xavier at UConn. All I know is I'd like to be there. I'm going to be in Providence instead. I think I'd rather be in stores. That is a heavyweight matchup. Definitely a heavyweight matchup. Three really good games on Wednesday next week. And you know what? I mean, don't ask anybody to pick those games because you'd be wrong. Our thanks to St. John's Joel Soriano, Villanova's Kyle Neptune, and Fox Sports' Jason Benetti for joining us. Thanks to our flagship radio stations for all of the calls you hear throughout the show and to Learfield for the assistance in the use of those calls. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins. Thanks to our executive producers, John Paquette, Scott Heck, Kevin Ivany of the Big East. And thank you to the coaches and the administrators at the 11 Big East member institutions for making themselves available to us and to you. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter. He is at Kevin McNamara 33. I am at JR Broadcaster. And make sure you always use the hashtag TwitBe, T-W-I-T-B-E, if you've got questions on your team. We'll be back same time next week for another edition of This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.